Hello, folks. Shaw Jerry Adams, Arish. August Tassel, Gomsa, Goel Shivsha, Gomoy. So, last week I spent a day in Crook Park, and I've been there many times before, usually for GA fixtures or the occasional concert, but last week was different. Some of the court services in Dublin, including defamation cases, are currently being held in Crook Park. The COVID restrictions meant shifting some of these outstanding cases out of the four courts. And Crook Park is an unusual setting for court business. I sat looking out of the window on 11-7, just beside the Arcodia box, looking down at the, the green field, the green pitch, below while lawyers and potential jurists and court officials and others were rushing up and down doing their business. And my case has to do and had to do with an article in the Sunday World in September 2015. In May that year, Jock Davison was killed as he walked to work. Several months later, in August the 13th, Kevin McGuigan was shot dead outside his home. As a result, there was a huge political storm as some politicians tried to link <coughs> Gumalesco as some politicians, unions, politicians and others in Dublin tried to link Republicans to these events. The DUP wanted Sinn Féin expelled from the Northern Institutions, the Good Friday Agreement Institutions, and threatened to leave the executive. And in September of that year, September the 10th, Peter Robinson announced that he was standing aside as First Minister, along with other DUP ministers, and leaving Arlene Foster as their sole representative on the executive. And he said that he had stepped aside, but technically that he hadn't resigned. Three days later, the Sunday World published a story under the heading Jerry's Secret McGuigan Meeting Adams Met Pro- Murdered Provo Over Hit Threat Fears, which claimed that I had met Kevin McGuigan in July and assured him that he was not under any threat from Sinn Fein members. Now, the story was totally untrue. I had not met Captain McGuigan, God rest him. I said so publicly and immediately, I contacted my solicitor and commenced proceedings against the Sunday World. That was six years ago. Last Tuesday, the Sunday World's legal representative read out an apology in the court. It said, Although the Sunday World reported the existence of such a meeting in good faith, we now accept Mr. Adams's position that no such meeting or conversation ever took place and have agreed to publish this apology for the record. Outside Croke Park, my solicitor, Paul Tweed, described the front page story and the two prominent pages inside the paper as sensationalised and making totally false and spurious claims. Paul Tweed went on, not only had this allegation been totally untrue, but the defendant, the Sunday World, failed to come up with any evidence or basis for the unfounded story. The publishers of the Sunday World have finally and belatedly acknowledged what they have done and retracted the allegations and unreservedly apologised to Jerry Adams before the court this afternoon. For my part, I took the opportunity to thank Paul Tweed and Johnson's solicitors and the senior counsel. And I told the waiting media... For a long time now, some elements of the media have reported or 
published or made very false and vicious and offensive claims about me and about other Republicans. I am satisfied in this case that the Sunday World has apologised for this deeply offensive and false article. I am also very conscious that, at its very centre, a man, Kevin McGuigan, was murdered and another man, Jared Davison, was murdered also. Their families, like many others, are grieving. For me, it was always about asserting my own integrity, and I think the case succeeded in that. It's my intention to donate the proceedings, or the proceeds, Gumbel of the settlement to good causes. And these will include the Irish language sector, Green Cross, the Bobby Sands Trust, the Moor Street Preservation Trust, the homeless and other projects, projects that I have a, a gra for. So it was, notwithstanding the seriousness of all of this, a good day out for an Antrim man in Kroger. I also want to wish T.G. Cahar a very uh, happy 25th birthday. I don't watch television very much, but when I do, T.G. Cahar is usually my first choice. It has everything. It's an Irish language channel. In fact, it's the Irish language channel. Great music, sport, it's Gaelic games coverage is first class, news, history, culture, documentaries, drama, children's programmes and much more. Its films telling the stories of the 1916 leaders is among the best ever produced. Its coverage of the centenary of 1916 was excellent and dramas like uh, and Klondike have attracted worldwide audiences and many awards. Ross Naroon has been running for 26 seasons. I have to say I don't watch that very often, but fair play, it's a good uh, drama in our own language. The travelogue documentaries which have examined the journeys of the diaspora and their impact on life in the USA and elsewhere have been hugely informative. Hector is always a big hit in our house. T.G. Carr has been a creative force in Irish society it encourages local talent and produces programmes to the best international standards. 25 years ago on Ihahana on Halloween evening, 1996, television Gaelga was born in Balya Nahawan in Connemara. It was a long time coming. As with all efforts to promote the Irish language, there was fierce resistance within the political establishment to investing in a television station that in their view would only ever service a minority community. Gaelgary had fought long and hard for over many years to get it established and its arrival was applauded by Irish speakers as a positive development here and overseas. However, the battle to defend, protect and expand the use of Gaelga was not ended by the establishment of television in the Gaelga. That battle continues today, not just in pursuit of Act Nagilga in the north, but, but across the entire island for Irish language rights. And since 1996, Televish Nagilga, which was rebranded as TG Car in October 1999, it's gone from strength to strength. Recently, as part of the celebration of its 25th birthday, a new advertising campaign to promote TG Car commenced. And as part of this, I noticed that one of the many advertising hoardings on the Andersonstown Road in West Belfast that there was a large T.G. Cahar promotional ad announcing Sewell Ella. 
So well done to everyone involved in TG Car, past, present and in the future. And whether you have Irish or just a couple of fuckle or not at all, tune in. You won't be disappointed. And finally, most readers, and we're watching what's happening in Glasgow, but most readers of this column, like myself, live in the developed world. So some of our problems are first world problems. Many of us have benefited from the advances of recent decades. I'm from that generation who spent my childhood in an overcrowded house without basic amenities like a bathroom, an inside toilet or hot water. Most of the men folk in my clan were building labourers, hood carriers, manual workers. Their work was precarious, casual and underpaid. The women folk worked in the mills by rearing usually large broods of children. The work was hard, conditions tough and the wages were miserly. The women were the homemakers, dependent on weekly visits to the pawn shop, potty libraries in our case, the support of grannies and the sharing of food with neighbours to supplement meagre incomes. None of our adult family members were educated beyond primary school level, yet they were intelligent, socially aware human beings. But all of us were poor. Why? I came to question this as I grew older and became more aware. There have been many improvements since then. Nowadays, many of us have decent homes, a good quality of life, and many of our children and grandchildren are university educated. These basic rights were won because people took a stand. But not all of us are so lucky. Poverty is still widespread. Some citizens are still treated unfairly. Some children do not have the chance to reach their full potential. So we have to be always mindful that they are in the place that we used to be in. We have to rise up with our class, not out of it. Poverty is not an accident. It is a consequence of public policy or the lack of it. If we cannot eradicate poverty in this part of the developed world, how can we hope to do so in the developing world where poverty is widespread and deeply embedded. In my view, we will not eradicate poverty in Ireland while we're governed by Tories in Dublin and London. Of course, even while this is the status quo, we need to keep trying to alleviate hardship and we need to support measures to give people economic rights, even though our country is partitioned. But when we end partition, when we have our own national democracy and the opportunity for a real republic, then the struggle enters another phase, a new phase. A poverty-free Ireland has to be the objective of all public policy. That's the best contribution we can make to a poverty-free world. The proposition is straightforward. It's called equality. Anything else is unacceptable. Here, in the so-called developed world, or in the developing world, another world, another Ireland, is possible. James Connolly put it well, our demands most moderate are, we only want the earth. And we finish this week with Francis Black singing Ewan McCall's wonderful song, Legal, Illegal. Gunyiri and Ta Livsha Gunyar. Every time you pick up a newspaper, every time you switch on the TV, 
You can bet your old boots that at some point you'll see a high-ranking guard or else a TD calling on all who are meant to be free to stand up and defend law and order. It's illegal to rip off a payroll. It's illegal to hold up a train. But it's legal to rip off a million or two that comes from the labours that other folk do to plunder the many on behalf of a few. It's a thing that is perfectly legal. It's illegal to kill off your landlord or to trespass upon his estate. But to charge a high rent for a slum is okay. To condemn two adults and three children to stay in a hovel that's rotten with damp and decay. It's a thing that is perfectly legal. If your job turns you into a zombie, then it's legal to feel some despair. But don't get aggressive and don't get too smart. For Christ's sake, don't upset the old apple cart. Remember your boss has your interests at heart And it grieves him to see you unhappy If you fashion a bomb in your kitchen Then you're guilty of breaking the law But a bloody great nuclear plant is okay And plutonium processing hastens the day When this small little isle will be blasted away Nonetheless it is perfectly legal It's illegal if you are a traveller To camp by the side of the road But it's proper and right for the rich and the great To live in a mansion and own an estate that was got from the people by pillage and rape Well that's what they call a tradition It's illegal to kill off your missus Or put poison in your romance tea Put poison the rivers, the seas and the skies And poison the minds of a nation with lies it's all in the interest of free enterprise. Nonetheless, it is perfectly legal. Well, it's legal to sing on the telly. But make bloody sure that you don't. To sing about racists and fascists and creeps. And those in high places who live off the weak. And those who are selling us right up the creek The twisters, the takers, the con men, the fakers The whole bloody gang of exploiters